Matthew 13, beginning at verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a parable about hearing. So it's a sermon about hearing. Hearing the word of the Lord is a question that many of us at, at different times in our life have. We wonder, what is God trying to say to us in a given situation? How do I know what God wants for me and in in what God's will is in a certain situation or time in my life? How come God spoke so often and so clearly to people in the past but is seemingly so silent today. Unfortunately, I'm not able to say 
do these three things and you can hear the audible voice of God. Or just stop doing this one thing and get clear answers from God in 24 hours. Or even... Sow a gift of X dollars and you'll receive 30 times. Y dollars and you'll receive 60 times. And Z dollars to receive 100 times what was sown. Still, there are a number of real truths here for us in the parable of the sower that answer questions about how we can hear from God. The parable of the sower is a familiar parable, perhaps only second to the prodigal son. We're pretty comfortable with what the different types of soil mean, yeah? Looking around, it's likely you guys have heard a sermon or two or five or six on the parable of the sower. The seed is the word, the message of God. It falls on different types of soil, hearts in different dispositions. Some hearts are hardened, like the well-worn walking paths winding and weaving between the fields, unable or unwilling to receive the message of God at all. Other hearts are like shallow soil over limestone, so the message seems to take root and quickly, but the difficulties and deserts of these days destroy whatever developing fruitfulness we perceive. Still, other hearts are weedy. So weedy, the message of God is entangled and strangled by distractions. What we're aiming for is good soil, hearts that are prepped and ready to receive the message of God and to produce from it Maximum fruitfulness. While we're familiar with the different soil types, we're less familiar with that middle section, verses 10 through 17. This bit about hearing and seeing and understanding and perceiving. And therein, I think, lies the answers to the questions we've been asking. How do we hear from God? How can it be that verse 17 says, Many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. That seems backwards to us. I want what the prophets heard. That seems better. Didn't they hear from God in a way that I think would would improve my certain situation? Couldn't God give me an audible voice like he gave to Isaiah? But that's that's not what Jesus tells his disciples. Isaiah longed for what the disciples have. And Peter picks up on this in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, many prophets, sorry, the prophets searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. And Peter adds, even angels long to look into these things. In the case of the disciples, the blessing of seeing and hearing is precisely because Christ has been revealed in their day. And doubly so, it's on account of the gift of the Holy Spirit within us. Paul, perhaps, has the parable of the sower in mind when he addresses the church in Corinth saying, secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. 
The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Both the parable of the sower and Paul's address to the church in Corinth mention a secret and a giving, each in turn. The free gift of salvation that comes by faith does not bring only future blessing. In other words, we don't believe in Jesus Christ and then wait around for heaven. Rather, when we put our faith in the crucified Lord, died for our sins, we receive the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, we receive, among other gifts, and this is why Jesus can say, to whom it is given, they will receive more, right? The Spirit brings a giftedness upon us, but, but one of those is wisdom and understanding. This is why the Spirit is called the Spirit of Wisdom. This is a secret because it's not something known by everyone. It's foolishness to the spirit of this world. I think I've misunderstood this before, and, and maybe you have too, so listen carefully. It's not a secret because it's been concealed. It's an open secret. In fact, what may be known about God is plain to all men. Because God has made it plain to all men. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. This is an open secret. God has revealed himself to the world. The seed is scattered everywhere. The secret wisdom is not concealed but only received by those who, as verse 11 implies, have been given. It's not that Jesus is teaching this way so that they couldn't understand. But in teaching this way, Jesus has revealed in some that they cannot understand. Let me try that another way. The preaching of the word does not conceal the spirit of wisdom, but rather reveals who possesses the spirit of wisdom. The first thing we need to hear a word from God is a heart prepared by God. The gift of saving faith, election unto salvation, brings with it a gift we call illumination by the spirit that we might know and respond to the word sown in our hearts by the same Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So as, G as Jesus teaches this parable in front of, say, the Pharisees who are unable to perceive. Though, though they see, they cannot perceive. Though they hear, they cannot understand. It's not because Jesus has concealed the thing from them. He's spoken it straight and plain, but they cannot understand because they don't have the Spirit of God. 
Hearing from God requires a heart prepared by God. A change happens to those of us who possess that spirit of God. J.I. Packer puts it, sin in our mental and moral system clouds our minds and wills so that we miss and resist the force of Scripture. God seems to us remote to the point of unreality. And in the face of God's truth, we are dull and apathetic. And then this is illumination. The Spirit, however, opens and unveils our minds and attunes our hearts so that we can understand. The way to benefit fully from the Spirit's ministry of illumination is by serious Bible study, serious prayer, and serious response and obedience to whatever truths one has been shown already. The seed sown on the path, then, represents what we absolutely cannot be, people with hardened hearts, untilled by the farmer, unwilling to be searched and known, but given over to the evil desires of our heart. You see, the farmer is the one who tilled these very fields. It's the farmer who who made a decision to leave the path alone to leave it hardened and and unable to receive the seed. It's the farmer's decision to leave the path untilled. And as an aside, you can let this in one ear and out the other if it gets too much, but, but we should have a brief conversation about election and what's called double predestination. We've already mentioned that we could not receive the message of God unless he has first moved in us, given us the Spirit. This is election. We move not to God without first his willing and working. But God's decision to leave others unsaved is not election. It's not as if people are neutral and God moves some toward heaven and some toward hell. Rather, all human beings are dead in sin except for the intervening, of, intervening work of God. God does not harden Pharaoh's heart against Pharaoh's will. In fact, Pharaoh demonstrates several times throughout the book of Exodus that he hardened his heart before Exodus 9.12 says God hardens Pharaoh's heart. In our story, God does not pack down the soil on the path, but rather leaves it where it desires to be. Or as J.I. Packer says, God's decision is in essence a decision not to change them, but to leave them to sin as in their hearts they've already wanted to do. For those who have chosen to harden their hearts to the message of God, their future is the same as the birds, the evil one to whom they belong. Even those, though, with tilled soil contend with the evil one to the extent that we're able to to compare some of the other parables about seeds and growing in Matthew 13. And we got to be a little careful about equating them together too closely. But we see in the parable of the weeds, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. 
Those of us with tilled soil, hearts prepared by God, are not exempt from the difficulties and distractions of this life that seek to choke out faith and fruitfulness. The wheat and the weeds grow together until the harvest. So the second thing we need to hear from the parable of the sower is that to hear the word of God requires repentance and holiness, true distinction and change. William Barclay writes, the thorny ground was deceptive ground. When the sower was sowing, the ground would look clean enough. It is easy to make a garden look clean by simply turning it over. But in the ground, there still lay the fibrous roots of the couch grass and the bishop weed and all the perennial pests ready to spring to life again. Do our hearts just look clean? Or out of true repentance and true holiness, are they really changed? Are we working towards purity? The reality of evil in our world requires vigilance on the part of the saints. Taking a soil sample, if you will, is an important routine for Christian living. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's allow Christ, the true vine, to, to cut off every branch that does not bear fruit and to prune those that do so that they might be even more fruitful. As we grow up among the weeds, are we allowing those weeds to, to wrap around and drag us down and suck away the nutrients that God has provided in his word and in his community, the church? Or do we strive for repentance and distinction? The first worldly distraction that, that maybe God wants the same things that I want. Or maybe, maybe God just wants me to be happy so, so I can pursue the, the things that make me happy. That would make God happy, right? Cut it off. Maybe God's a little nicer than, than we've got it. Yes, Christianity's true, but who's to say someone that lives a holy life as Joseph Smith defines or, 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 or Muhammad defines, who's to say that, that, that they don't have God too? Cut it off. Maybe God would let me persist in my hatred or persist in my 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 adultery or, or persist in my lust or, or he doesn't care the words that I think in my head so long as my tongue doesn't form them out loud, cut it off. Christ perfects us by the trimming and pruning work that allows us to grow up among the weedy distractions and competing worldviews of this life without losing faith. Every branch that remains in him remains. Successful fruit, fruitfulness among the weeds depends on true distinction, true holiness. And finally, it was a little uh, quick on this one, requires the continued practice of hearing and responding. The rocky places where the seed fell wasn't just soil with a bunch of rocks, but it was limestone with soil that had 
basically just blown on top of it. Now, you can imagine this is not very good soil. It's not like you can pay the neighbor kid a few bucks to pick rocks for an afternoon and, and things will be okay. These rocky places were, were, were warm and, and the soil was loose. And so something could spring up very quickly, but soon you would find that the roots could not go any deeper. There's no going around these rocks. There's, there's no finding a way through it. And so as the seed runs out of places to go down, it spends all its energy going up. And so it grows very quickly, as, as we've mentioned. This warrants a comment about experiential faith so prevalent in churches today. I hesitate here because overly emotional is not an adjective usually describing Usberg CRC. I don't mean to discourage emotion. I want vibrancy and passion. If the spirit chooses moving music or passionate presentation to establish you more firmly in the gospel of Jesus Christ, let it be so. But if all we have is moving music and passionate presentation, Plead with God to be transplanted. So much of the church today has very little root. We spring up believers quickly and vibrantly, people who look outward, they want to do good and and make a difference. Praise God. But without roots, it's fool's gold. This is why the qualifications for a deacon is must not be a new convert. We want people to establish the continued practice of hearing and responding, to send down deep roots so that we're able to to weather the storms and the challenges of life. William Hendrickson tells a story of a woman in a congregation listening to a visiting preacher. He says, so affected by the sermon was this lady that at its conclusion she fainted. When the visiting preacher, showing concern, stepped up to her, one of the elders, taking him aside, whispered, she does this little trick every once in a while. In the interval between spells, she falls back into her former life again. Here is my concern for the Asbury revival. I'm not an expert here. I'm thankful to hear reports that the the truth of the word of God is being preached there. I'm I'm thankful to hear reports that people are responding in what seems to be genuine repentance. I praise God for hearts changed. But if I had the mic, I'd encourage them to look down. Look down at the word of God, remembering that serious Bible study and serious prayer are our source of abundance that spirit-filled people receive. I encourage us to look down at our feet. Do the work of sober self-assessment. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Sit at the feet of Jesus to be cut, pruned, and cleaned. God can produce fruit from any type of soil. He's in the business of growing fruit in weird places. Maybe you've got a prodigal child, friend, family member that seems to be entangled by the weeds, that seems to be shallow in their rootedness. Hope is not lost. 
Death is not their only option. God is in the business of producing fruit in weird places. But just because God can produce fruit from any type of soil doesn't mean we should be unconcerned. So finally, we learn from the parable of the sower that we ought to desire good soil. Desire good soil. This means serious Bible study, serious prayer. This means continued repentance and holiness, distinct life as a Christian. This means continued hearing of the word. This means continued church attendance, faithful attendance at the worship services of the saints. This is a powerful thing that happens when we gather together. Don't neglect it. Means sober self assessment. Means doing the work of allowing God to, to weed the garden, to, to cut away, not just throw off. We can throw off, but Jesus can cut away the things that distract us from good soil, from producing fruit. This doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, that we're all going to be so exemplary. Artie France at the conclusion of of his commentary on this passage says, even in the good soil, there is room for some variation in the degree of productivity, 160 or 30 times. In other words, disciples do not come in only one size or type. And there is room in the kingdom of God for the ordinary as well as the spectacular. But you're invited to participate. And again, to the extent that we can cross into other parables in this chapter, Matthew 13, I wonder about the effect of a person with good soil, the parable of the mustard seed, the largest of all trees. And at the end of the parable of the mustard seed, it says, so large that the birds perch in its shade. And if birds means the same thing, and, and, and maybe I'm going too far, okay? But if birds means the same thing here, the evil one, we recognize that people who have the Spirit of God, who have repentant hearts, who continue the practice of hearing and responding, have such an impact on the world that common grace from God is extended to all. That is, the Christian can have such an impact in the world that even unbelievers recognize that what we have is good and better. I like drawing this out in marriage counseling. The CRC's form for marriage says that Christian marriage is a stable building block on which society is built. Whoa. Whoa. The fruitfulness of the Christian, full of the Holy Spirit, pursuing holiness, has an impact on this world, a real, real impact. return to the questions at the beginning of the sermon. What is God saying to me? Does God have a word to say about my situation? What does is, what is my future hold? Through serious Bible study and serious prayer, God has revealed a will for your life. 
may not be black and white as go to this college or that, take this job or that, marry this person or that. If you've got those kind of options, good for you, I guess. But faithful response to the seed sown is impactful. And as we go, I want us to pursue good heart soil. And not just so that we can know Christ better and come back and sit in our same seats, but so that we can affect the world for Jesus Christ. Let's pray.